Hey, hoop ballers, are you into sports betting? Do you want to know why a certain game has a funky line? Well, HoopBall has you covered. Today in sports betting is a great addition to all your handicapping questions with hosts Ira Silver and Devin Ellington. We break down game lines and future bets on all sports and try to make some money along the way. Follow us on Twitter at HoopBallGaming, at Ira Silver Magic, and at D-A-L-E-007. And download Today in Sports Betting in the App Store, Google Play, and available on Spotify. The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. Welcome to the Fantasy NBA Today podcast. While we spend the morning fighting through some weird Twitter things, I figured might as well get a podcast out to you guys. What's happening, everybody? Welcome to Fantasy NBA Today. It's Wednesday morning, and games are right around the corner. Again, I love it. I love it. I can't get enough of it. I also like it. Uh, About two hours from the start of games today, they bought us a tiny bit more time. Tip is, I think, 2.30 Eastern for the first one, Memphis, Utah. But we're going to do the same thing we did yesterday. And that is approach the evening's card, meaning the next day's games, tonight, Wednesday's games, and then go back and analyze the previous day. Because, frankly, at this point, I think there's more value wrapped up in this podcast in the look-ahead department, especially when you when you figure the gambling angle, the what guys might be out injured angle, among other things, uh, as opposed to the look-back, which is like, okay, that's great, but... Almost every one of these guys is on a roster already, and if you're finding someone that isn't, that's swell, but by the time it gets to 10 a.m. Pacific today, that probably has been wrapped up. So I think the look ahead is actually more important right now. This is, of course, a HoopBall presentation. Hoop-Ball.com is the website. HoopBall Fantasy is the Twitter feed. I am at Dan Bespris on Twitter. I'll start the show today by asking you guys to please drop a five-star review on the podcast, whatever platform you might be using, certainly iTunes or the podcast app on your Apple branded mobile device. Those are the most important ones because I mean, look that like 80% of people actually listen to this stuff on, on Apple podcast players. Uh, But again, whatever you're using, if you can drop a five-star review, it would be extraordinarily helpful for us and uh, help the podcast grow. Let's do our look ahead here. Memphis is at Utah, Utah favored by five and a half points. Grizzlies are on the ropes right now. They've been awful during this resumption campaign to this point. And suddenly, this Western race is everybody. It's a free-for-all. The Blazers right now have a half-game lead on the Spurs for that last spot. Portland got a big win over the Houston Rockets last night. That was a big, big win. And I may have to eat my hat a little bit if they do indeed steamroll teams that are a little bit better than they are. Uh, Spurs... 2-1, I believe, during the resumption. They lost to the 76ers. Pelicans finally got a win. So they're now within the three-game striking distance. Somehow the Suns are only three games back of the Grizz. And the Kings have lost every game of their resumption season and are the first, basically at this point, to be eliminated. I believe that there are two sets of criteria, and someone can correct me if I get this wrong, but I don't think I'm wrong here. You have to be within three games of the eight seed to force that weird little play-in situation, but you also have to be the nine seed, right? So, like, right now, 
there are four teams within three games of the Grizzlies, but the Blazers would be the one to get the nine seed if it happened right now. They're a half game up on San Antonio, so they get the play-in opportunity. And frankly, if that happened, if it happened right away, Portland would definitely beat Memphis right now. That said, the Blazers arguably have the toughest schedule of anybody on that list the rest of the way. They took care of the Rockets, which was a big one. They've already beaten the Grizzlies once during this resumption, which was also a big one. But they have the Nuggets tomorrow, the Clippers on Saturday, the Sixers on a back-to-back on Sunday, the Mavs next Tuesday, although questionable how much Mavericks are going to be carrying by that point. And then, finally, they have a coasting one. They have the Nets to finish off their resumption campaign. So Portland has a rough road ahead, but they've looked good so far. And I got to give a ton of credit again to Yusuf Nurkic, who, despite what should be a very rusty time for him, first basketball in basically 16 months, he's been outstanding. He's been their best player, better than Dame and CJ for most of that this resumption so far. Looking at the Spurs, uh, they have the Nuggets today. So both teams have the Nuggets. Then they have the Jazz, the Pels, the Rockets, Uh, and the Jazz again. So the Spurs also have a relatively difficult schedule. This is why everybody was so high on the Pelicans, because the Pels had their tough games early. They lost to the Jazz, which game they probably should have won, got clobbered by the Clippers, came back, beat the Grizzlies. Now they've got the Kings, the Wizards, the Spurs, the Kings, and the Magic the rest of the way. Pels really do have easily... The, the softest schedule among these teams. Suns, oddly Eastern conference the rest of the way. They've got the Pacers, the Heat, uh, the Thunder, so they're back in the West there, the Sixers, and the Mavs. So Phoenix has a relatively tough schedule as well. And if you're thinking, well, Dan, you haven't mentioned the Grizzlies. Yeah, although we've talked about some teams playing them, Memphis needs to find a way to get a win. They have the Jazz this morning, as we were talking about just a moment ago, the Thunder, the Raptors, the Celtics, and the Bucks although the Bucs probably won't care about that game by the end. Grizzlies are staring down the barrel of definitely, I don't think that's, I think it's basically guaranteed at this point they're going to have a play-in situation. The the opportunity for them to win some games here and maybe pull away from the pack seems basically gone. Now they're staring down the barrel of, are they potentially going to be the nine seed? Could the Pels, they're two and a half back, that'd be a pretty good, lift but could the Pels the Blazers the Spurs could any of those teams actually pass the Grizzlies and get into the eighth spot to where they would then only have to win the one game we shall see uh anyway with Utah favored by five and a half points I'm tempted to say that I I gotta think Memphis at least fights this thing to the bitter end you know Grizzlies they haven't looked good they got beat up by the Pels and lost by 10 in that ball game I I don't want to say necessarily that they've looked bad They've looked kind of bad. Utah hasn't looked particularly good either. There's just, there's more on the line here. Utah has a two and a half game lead uh, over the Mavericks. They're tied with the Rockets and a half game up on the Thunder in that middle chunk in the Western Conference. That just doesn't really look like it's going anywhere. That said, they're going to play hard because the Jazz want to try to figure out sort of who they are here coming down the stretch. I think they'll win this game but, I mean, I'd be floored if Memphis didn't make it damn competitive. And at 219 and a half, that feels a little bit high. Denver at San Antonio. Nuggets by three. We have no idea who's actually playing for Denver in this game. Sounds like a lot of those questionable guys are still questionable. I think they'd love to get Jamal Murray back, Will Barton. Waiting on a number of players at this point. 
And if they do get them back, what does that mean? I might fade them if they all come back at the same time. Total of 227. I would probably look at the under as well, although not really married to it. Philadelphia, 10.5 point favorites at Washington. Philly, man, this team doesn't take anybody seriously. I would I would take the Wizards and the points, if anything, in this ballgame. Lakers hosting the Thunder, the Schroederless Thunder. Lakers favored by six. Uh, L.A. at this point, by the way, six and a half game lead. They have li- they have clinched the number one seed. So you might start to see some intermittent resting. Betting on the Lakers from this point the rest of the way is a very dangerous proposition because even if LeBron and A.D., are active, which it sounds like they are right now. And this ballgame starts at, I think, 6.30 Eastern time. That's a 3.30 Pacific time game. Even if LeBron and AD are active, that doesn't mean they're playing 35 minutes. I don't think they should at this point. They should be playing first halves. And that's probably it. Right? There's really no point. So if you're looking at this ballgame from a who, who really needs it, it's the Thunder, and it's not close. Total of 218.5. There are two sides to looking at this. Well, I shouldn't say two sides because, you know, we got a side and a total. There are two ways to look at the total in this ballgame. It's very low, for one. Lakers have good defense. Uh, Thunder don't play at a super high clip, and they're without their, their bench firepower. So you look at it from that perspective, and you're like, okay, this is a pretty low score. The other side of it is, does this thing turn into a track meet if the Lakers bench their starters and then it's just like a it's a free-for-all in the second half. I don't know. I think the fact that one team really does care about this game probably takes that total off the board for me. And if anything, I'd look at the Thunder in this game under the, the hope, the assumption, that the Lakers don't actually play LeBron and AD the entire ballgame. Toronto's favored by 7.5 against Orlando. If you're thinking that seems like a really big number, well, it's because Orlando played and got beat by Indiana yesterday. Toronto's a damn good team. Uh, They are, I think, on the brink now. Raptors 4.5 up on the Celtics, so they are, I believe now, within a win win here of locking up the two-seed. So they'll still probably play hard. I, I would look at Orlando and potentially an over in this game, if anything. And then Brooklyn catching eight and a half against the Celtics, who lost the Heat yesterday. Brooklyn was able to, with their weird second unit, beat Milwaukee, resting their starters in the second half. Boston's probably going to be using most of their guys at this point. Celtics just a game and a half lead on the Heat. I don't think they really want to fall into the four, but I also don't think it really matters that much to the Celtics. So everything at this point for them is a little bit of a tune-up. Uh... And the question is, how disjointed does Brooklyn look, bringing back a lot of the guys that sat out yesterday's game? So, obviously, we watch the news to see who might be out for these games. So far, we don't really know. It's kind of too early in the day to tell. But in looking at the various betting situations, I think my my strongest lean of the game is probably another Orlando over. I, you know, they... They, they, they managed it the over against Indiana while the Pacers were trying to slow the game down hard in the second half with their big lead. Toronto, uh, again, very good defensively, but they can get up and down the floor a little bit. So I like the over again, just, just overing Orlando until they prove they're not going to do it anymore. Uh, I like the Thunder, but again, that one based slightly on whether I think Lakers are going to play their starters the entire game. Washington, because I don't think Philadelphia takes them seriously. 
Uh, and probably Memphis here in the early game if I had, if I had to look at either side in that uh, particular contest. And am I forgetting anything on what we just went over? Uh, not really. So that's where I'm looking on that one. And if you're going to make these wagers, you ought to do it at MyBookie. MyBookie.ag is the website. You can do MyBookie.com. It'll send you over there. They're at MyBookieBet on Twitter. Use the coupon code HOOPBALL and get a 100% deposit match and a baseball futures wager you can just throw out there. It's a voucher. You get a $10 voucher. Throw it on a weird underdog. MyBookie partners with HoopBall and an opportunity to be long-term friends getting these awesome deals for you guys, the 100% deposit match in the Baseball Futures Wager. We've got a link we've been posting if you want to follow that. Or, again, please do use the coupon code HOOPBALL when you sign up. Minimum deposit is $25. That's nothing. It's very little. They'll match it. They'll match it for you. They'll give you 25 You put in 50 they'll give you 50 You put in 200 they'll give you 200 You still get that baseball wager either way. So, again, please do check that out. Big deal for us, just like Manscaped. These are all really huge deals. I'll tell you about Manscaped later in the podcast. MyBookie.ag coupon code, once again, is HoopBall. Turning our attention back to last night. This, again, would go uh, reverse order on this thing. Brooklyn beat Milwaukee. They were playing them well, even when the starters were in for the Bucks, but they rested him the whole second half. In fact, no one on Milwaukee played more than 24 minutes. Dante DiVincenzo was the team leader at exactly 24 minutes in yesterday's game. He had a serviceable fantasy line, and he was pretty much the only one. Giannis was close, but he missed all three of his free throws. Chris Middleton was eh. Uh, Eric Bledsoe got a chance to play 18 minutes. Ersan Ilyasova had a double-double with 11 and 10 and they're going to be a very tough team to use the rest of the way, and it's why we pretty much dodged Bucks in this resumption campaign. This is the, th- the reason why. Brooklyn, with everybody out, they rested Karis LeVert, Jared Allen, and Joe Harris. Jamal Crawford uh, hurt his hamstring after six minutes of activity, and so it was just Timothée, Luau, Cabarro, and Garrett Temple were the only men left standing on that team, and of course they had good fantasy lines. But uh, you can't trust him now because it sounds like all three of the rest guys are probably coming back for Brooklyn's game tonight against the Boston Celtics. So get Levert, Harris, and Allen fired back up. You can maybe still use Garrett Temple, but that remains fairly questionable. Dallas beat Sacramento in overtime. The Kings, who led this game the entire way, were stuck on 95 points for about four and a half minutes down the stretch. They deserved to ultimately lose this game. And they did. Kristaps Porzingis fouled out in 27 minutes, or this would have been another monster of a game for the big guy. Luka, huge triple-double. Missed some free throws, had six turnovers, but uh, not arguing a 34-20-12 and 12 from Luka Doncic. No Seth Curry, so Tim Hardaway Jr. had 22 points and five rebounds. And Dorian Finney-Smith had a weird 16-16 and 16 double-double that somehow turned, to be, turned out to be kind of an empty fantasy game. Darren Fox plugging along for the Kings. He had 28 and 9. Nemanja Bjelica, 12 and 13 with a steal and a block. Kent Bazemore looking good off the bench with 16 and 5 money counters. Buddy Heald had 21. Rashawn Holmes had 8 and 12, but uh, fouled out in 25 minutes himself. Kings relatively predictable right now, provided nobody else gets shut down. Corey Joseph got the start, by the way, in this game, played a team high 42 minutes, had 9 points and uh, eight assists in a game that was somewhat uninspiring. 
Phoenix, as I mentioned on yesterday's pod, they give the Clippers a hard time. I don't know what it is about that matchup, but the Suns beat them. They beat them during the regular season, too. Devin Booker had a big one. Uh, Booker with 35 points, four boards, eight assists, and six three-pointers. That's a thing. I bet his three-pointers trend up next year. Uh, Mikael Bridges, nine and six, two steals, three threes. Ricky Rubio was decent. DeAndre Ayton was okay. Uh, Dario Saric was bordering on okay. As we mentioned, Cam Johnson, he played a lot, actually, in this game, but uh, fantasy line was uh, less than enthusiastic, and that's kind of what you're worried about in that regard. Um, so you got your you got your usual suspects, and for Phoenix, they'll just keep trucking now. They're playing well, so um, if you risked it on these dudes, then I think you're going to be rewarded. Seems like Booker, uh, Ayton at least are going to play most of the way through. Bridges as well, and then Rubio with his minutes a bit decreased uh, might get him into as many games as he can. Also, Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, they were both fine. Marcus Morris had his first decent game of the resumption, as did Ivica Zubats, who had 18 and 12 with a block. I'm sure this is going to send Clippers' Twitter into a frenzy as he shows up once every three or four games. Uh, Lou Williams had 7-6-6 six, and six in his return, and Patrick Beverly hurt his calf in eight minutes, and he's back out. And that's classic Pat Bev. He'll play himself into an injury, and they'll probably just rest him the rest of this resumption, which is good news for Lou Williams, and I think we've probably seen the last of Reggie Jackson having fantasy value on the Clippers' side. Indiana beat Orlando behind T.J. Warren, bubble MVP, 32 points, eight more cash stats, three steals, a block, four three-pointers, uh, 77% shooting in this game. He's been unbelievable. Miles Turner, very good, although only one block. Oladipo was fine. Looks like they're keeping his minutes down a bit. Malcolm Brogdon was fine. His minutes were good. He didn't have any peripheral stats, no threes. Missed shots, missed free throws. Um, he's been a bit of a disappointment so far. Uh, and I don't know that anybody else was really big time on our radar with this team. On the Orlando side, uh, no Jonathan Isaac now for a while. And Michael Carter-Williams hurt himself, although I don't know that that really matters. Evan Fournier was just lost in the clouds in this game. If you watched it, he just he couldn't even make his free throws. He couldn't make layups. He'll be fine. He'll bounce back maybe tonight. Aaron Gordon, 20-7. and seven. He looked good. Terrence Ross had 20. Got fouled on three different three-pointers in this game. Nine for nine at the free-throw line. Vooch, solid as always, as Orlando uh, continues to push the pace and not defend very well and hit another over. That was our bet for yesterday. I've only given out two wagers, I think, on uh, so far in the resumption they both hit. Boston lost at Miami. No Jimmy Butler for this one, uh, dealing with a right ankle injury. And so Kelly Olynyk slid into the starting lineup for this ballgame and was brilliant. So, you know, officially I'm eating my hat on him. I guess if he's starting, you might as well just use him. It certainly gives him the opportunity where you're not like, oh, is he even going to get any minutes? He'll get them now. Um, you know, Jimmy Butler, my guess was he'll be back for the next one. But the fact that he's out for non-rest reasons is uh, a bummer. And maybe this was rest disguised as something else. The more I look at it, the more I think that uh, may very well be the case, but we'll keep an eye on it. You know, I, we figured he was probably going to play in seven of the eight games, and uh, now we just need to get him through the other ones. That last one is, is a question mark. Uh, Adebayo had a free throw issue in this ballgame. Otherwise, he was pretty good. Um, Jay Crowder started hot, cooled off late, just didn't really take any shots afterwards. Duncan Robinson hit a bunch of three-pointers, a team that didn't double-team him. 
Goran Dragic played well for a second straight game, but seemed to hurt his ankle. We'll see if that ends up being a thing. Uh, certainly all of these guys, they have more responsibility when Jimmy Butler is out. But the one that surprises me the most is still Kelly Olynyk. We know he has a great fantasy game. He just never gets the minutes to do it, and right now he's getting the minutes. So pick him up, throw him in there, see what happens. Celtics side, uh, Kemba Walker's minutes limit slowly increasing. He continues to be someone that we avoided, and I think we're all feeling pretty pleased that we did so. This was a, a weird one for Boston. Jason Tatum had a good ball game. Daniel Tice played relatively well, and, and largely the rest of the team was not very good. That's it. And then the big one, the big one was Portland. This is a, a, a massive, massive win for the Trailblazers. Yusuf Nurkic, 18-19 and 19 with a steal and three blocks. He is uh, among the top five, I believe, now in uh, this resumption ranking situation. He's number three behind TJ Warren, James Harden, and just ahead of Anthony Davis. Jimmy Butler was actually uh, number five in his two games, so the rest day was a big deal Embiid is 6, Porzingis 7, Freddie Van Vliet is 8, Paul George 9, and Thomas Bryant is number 10 on that list. So uh, a couple of surprises in there would be uh, Warren, Nurk, and and Thomas Bryant. I mean, Freddie Van Vliet's relatively surprising, although this is the thing with these, these quick sprints. You just, you know, I'm looking at it as a per-game situation right now, so we'll also size this up at the end and and find out, like, you know, does Thomas Bryant play all eight of these games? He played in three. If he plays this well in six, then he beats his number. Um, and, you know, we'll keep keep tabs on it. Jared Allen's playing really well, but already had a rest day. So we'll see. There's a lot of weird stuff going on. Uh, from, from a per-game basis, though, uh, a lot of these top guys were relatively predictable, and then some of them are kind of surprises. We will keep tabs on it. Anyway, for Portland, uh, Gary Trent played well again. He hit four three-pointers at 16 points and a steal to go along with it. He's looking decent here in this resumption as their bench guy. McCollum's playing pretty well. Dame looks very good. Uh, having some shooting issues. Still shooting just 39%, so he's down at number 30 in the resumption. Even though outside of field goal percent, he's been quite good. 27 points, 11 assists, but that, again, is the magic of these weird little sample sizes where a guy like Royce O'Neal can go nuts in steals and end up as number 27 over three games. We'll see where it all sits after eight. I think Dame will be ahead of Royce O'Neal at the end of all of that. Ben McLemore uh, was decent in his 24 minutes with no Eric Gordon, but not worth a pickup. Jeff Green hit a bunch of shots in his 28 minutes, but also not really worth a pickup. Uh, Russell Westbrook was not good in this ball game. His uh, efficiency was was brutal. He missed all of his free throws, or this really, frankly, could have been a different ball game. James Harden finally cooled off a little bit. Still very good, obviously, for the resumption overall. And Daniel House uh, continues to play very, very well. He's uh, among the top 30 in fantasy right now. Much better than expected. We had him in our list of plotting types. If I can remember where the hell we had Daniel House. He was, he was at 106 on our board, so um, certainly way overperforming that. But we had him ahead of a lot of guys that uh, ended up getting drafted in front of him, so maybe one of you guys ended up with him. I doubt it, though, because... And look, I'll take the hit on that one because it seems like he's a guy we probably didn't end up with because I was preaching you probably don't want the plotting types, and here he is not plotting, hitting a bunch of three-pointers, getting some steals, and doing it on a good percentage. So kudos to Daniel House. P.J. Tucker, on the other hand, has looked like his traditional 
plodding self. He's down there in the 70s and 80s in his three games with some points, a few steals, blah, 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 and he's much closer to um, kind of where we all where we all thought he'd end up. It's wild, though, to think that you know he's in the, in the seven, late 70s, but that's outside the top 100 if we're in a normal circumstance. You just take out 27% of teams, and then everything gets flipped on his head. Same kind of thing over on the Portland side. There are guys that are useful that under normal circumstances probably wouldn't be. Like, look, forget Portland. Ben McLemore in 19 minutes a game is number 55 right now because he's hitting three three-pointers on 59% shooting. Cameron Payne in 19 and a half minutes is number 51. I do wonder what this is all going to look like after seven or eight games instead of three, but such is the weirdness at this moment. Like, you kind of got to... You got to not be very good to be outside the top 100, you'd think. But then there's Drew Holiday. How the hell is that the case? I don't understand. What am I missing here? Did he have one really horrible game blended in there? I'm forgetting something. Must have lost my mind here. How, how is this? How is this even possible? That doesn't seem right. Uh, resumption games. What the hell? Yeah, I guess he did have a really horrible one against the Clippers with 4, 5, and 5. All right, fair enough. You win, rank sheet. Bam Adebayo is outside the top 100. That's unexpected. Although, thankfully, we we dodged him because of COVID. I don't know why it, it, his ranking is low because he's not getting any defensive stats and he's been a, a, a free throw killer. And then the rest of these guys are relatively predictable. You know, you're looking at the Josh Hart's, Ilya Sova's, uh, Zubot's, Karis LeVert at 124 is a pisser. But then again, we've talked about it. <laughs> he has issues. His fantasy game has issues. We need him to be taking like 30 shots a game to get there. Anyway, uh, plenty of time for this stuff to level off a little bit. We're still very much in the early part of this resumption. Uh, I guess we're a week in. What do we got left? Week and a half? Something like that? It's coming up on us. Anywho, uh, am I picking up Gary Trent Jr.? Um, nah, probably not. Daniel House is definitely a guy we should be using at this point. He looks rested, looks willing to take shots. It seems like Portland really worked hard to get the ball out of James Harden's hands. And the fact that Houston only had 87 shots in this game was also fairly remarkable. Portland managed to slow this thing down. We did mention the under as a possible play on that ball game. Um, if only because the total of 244 was so insanely high. It wasn't really a strategic move as a, well, this seems like not a number that you can get to unless you're really just no one's taking the game seriously at all, and we knew that wasn't going to be the case. Guys, check out manscaped.com. Get yourself the Lawn Mower 3.0 built-in LED pinch-free technology, 75 RPMs, and a 90-minute battery life with a charging station. Ooh, a charging station. Manscaped.com is the website. Coupon code is HoopBall20. 20% off and free shipping on your order, whatever it might be. Get the lawnmower. You can get some of their uh, powders and lotions and oils and what have you. Or some Manscaped swag available over at Manscaped.com. Again, the coupon code HoopBall20. Reminder, by the way, uh, for our betting stuff. We're talking a lot of betting here during the resumption because full season fantasy is a, a blip here, and a two-week blip. 
But we can just keep betting all the way through the playoffs. DFS is a big deal right now. Uh, Mike Patria, Santino Cacone doing a fantastic job with their team over on the Hoopball DFS side. Uh, I believe that is uh, Stephen, Aaron, David, and Brenton. I got you guys. I got you guys. I got everybody over there. Um, and hit us up, by the way, if you want to join our sales or our betting or our full season fantasy teams. We need blurbers as we prepare for the weird offseason and next year. We need people to build out our betting unit. We have a handful of us here, but that's really something on the grow. And if you want to make some money, that's the one where you can make money. Sales. Sales. Hit me up, at Dan Bespris on Twitter. Again, keeping these pods a little bit shorter here during the resumption, unless there is something breaking that forces us into a deep dive. But there wasn't. So enjoy your games tonight. Again, quick reminder here at the end, the stuff that we were looking at in terms of what did we think was the most interesting stuff on the board, uh, Memphis to fight tooth and nail if you want some action in this early game. Washington, because we still don't know if Philadelphia is taking anybody seriously at this point. OKC, if we think the Lakers start resting people halfway through. Uh, Toronto, Orlando over. We're just betting Orlando overs until it all comes apart, and that's probably the one that we like the most on the board this eve. Enjoy it! Whatever the hell day it is. It's Wednesday. It's August 5th. Star date, whatever, pandemic date, 150. I don't know. I've lost track. We've got sports, and it uh, certainly makes the days go by just a tiny bit quicker. Again, I'm Dan Vespers. This is Fantasy NBA Today. Have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow. This has been a Hoop Bowl presentation.